I feel like there are dads out there that want to uphold the father figure and and maybe even change the stereotype as well and completely embrace the the, the fatherhood style and set more of an example and podcast along with me we have mitch and welcome to the latest episode of being men today is a special episode we got a really good friend philip pandogan also goes by the name young philly in the streets of melbourne mc philly what else do you go by phil wait i just want to clarify my surname row can you give that another go (laughs) (laughs) yes no, no, yes, no, yes. It's Young Philly's my stage name, and my real name is um, Philip Michael Pandongan. Good try, Ro. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, I now know what it feels like for people saying my last name. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right, so this episode, we're going to focus on young dads, new dads, all things related to dads and uh, their new babies. So. Um, both Phil and uh, Mitch have had a recently have had a new baby, so we're going to talk about their experiences, challenges, and uh, everything they've learnt so far. So um, let's get into it, boys. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. So my first question to the both of you is uh, around the role that you guys played before the pregnancy, during the time of labour. And after the baby is born, um, just run us through what went through your head and what was your role that you guys played through this time. Mm. Um, so during during pregnancy, especially when my partner was in the later periods of her trimester, it was just a bit more assistance uh, around the house with tasks as um, the extra weight that's gained doesn't demobilize, but just slows down the pace a little bit and um, guess more teamwork uh, allows for more efficiency. Um, during labor, labor's just being by their bedside, long nights, but we all keep our good spirits and my partner um, had contractions for 24 hours, mainly because my baby's got a big head. So we, we had a C-section and um, he's Marikai um, and uh, he's 10 months old and uh, he's um, crawling and pulling himself up and standing upright on his knees and soon to be walking, which uh, some fathers have said will be uh, when the headaches come. But, you know, it's all, it's all in jest and I think we're going to have fun. Yeah, well, I think it's, it's the same thing that Phil said. Like it's, you know, it's all hands on deck, really. It was unfortunate that I was kind of at work for most of the later stages of labor. But yeah, when I when I was at home, I just tried to kind of, you know, pull a bit more weight than I was that I was pulling before. And with and in in labor as well, our um, our labor was a, was quite a bit shorter than yours, um, yours, Phil. So it was kind of uh, my partner started having contractions at like eleven o'clock at night the night before, and then 
I was kind of, um, I kind of, I stayed in bed for a little bit before I got up and kind of sat with her and, and, and she, she really wanted to move around. So she was kind of stomping around the house and kind of counting and doing all that stuff you do to kind of manage the pain. And to be honest, I felt pretty helpless at that stage because it's kind of, you know, you can't really do too much to ease the pain for them other than kind of, you know, rub, rub their back and, you know, get them water and, and stuff if they want to. So, yeah, and then we kind of, at, at that time, we were using one of those apps that kind of, that track the contractions. So you're supposed to go into hospital when the contractions get a certain amount of time apart. But we kind of discovered that we had the app set to the wrong setting. So it was it was counting kind of the wrong, at the wrong frequency. So we kind of, I realized that and we, we switched the app to the right setting and we're like, oh shit, we've got to go to the hospital right now because we're about half an hour behind, you know? Oh so, man. <laughs> so that was pretty stressful. But you know, you kind of, you go into kind of, um, into like action mode. Hey, like it's, you don't really think about any of that kind of stuff. You go, all right, this is what we need to do. And we just got to do it, you know? So we got in the car. It was about minus six degrees outside. I didn't wear a jumper. I didn't even think about it. I didn't feel the cold. Get in the car. Um, I think it, by this stage, it was about 5.30 or um, 6 in the morning. Um, it was still dark outside. On our way to the hospital, yeah. it's about a 10-minute drive to the hospital. Um, and that went relatively smoothly. We did have to dodge a kangaroo that jumped out in front of the car on the way. Oh, um, man. But that was all good. So we get there and then uh, we're in a birth suite. So it's the kind of place where there's not... Um, a doctor there all the time. Um, we, we had a midwife, um, but we had to kind of wait till she got there. So we we're sitting in the lobby of this place, and Katie was having crazy contractions. And the, the midwife, I, I was talking to her on the phone, and she said, "We're going to be there. I'll be there in about half an hour. I just got to have a shower and get there. I'll be in half an hour." And I was like, "That's that's not quick enough." <laughs> you know what I mean? So I told so I told Katie, "Look, she's going to be here in five minutes. Don't worry about it. It's just compl- a complete lie." Oh yeah, just to keep things uh, calm. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if Katie had heard half an hour, she would have just like freaked out, man. So it's all it's all about kind of managing managing fear and managing kind of the pain and, and stuff. So eventually the midwife did get there and I was kind of glad that things were off out of my hands. I thought it was going to be, you know, we were going to deliver, I was going to deliver that baby on the floor um, for, a, for a while there. But, um, but they got there in time, which is good. And the, mid, the midwife got there and we're like, all right, I'll just take, I'll check your dilation, you know. Um, and she, she, reached down there and said, never mind that, we'll just have a baby. And the baby was out within, um, you know, by like 8 o'clock in the morning, that morning. So it all happened very quickly. Yeah, well, as long as the baby was healthy and, uh, you know, Katie, Katie was healthy, obviously you've got a beautiful baby now, yeah. uh, baby boy. How old is Elio? Um, he's just over five months now and he's, you know, he's not not crawling just yet, but he's getting there. That's the next step. He's all, he's sitting up and he's he's happy and healthy, which is awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, thanks for sharing that, guys. Uh, really insightful to understand, you know, the kind of roles you guys played, quite similar yet um, slightly different. So that was really cool um, to hear. Now, what I'm curious to understand a little bit is about your idea of what you expected um, being a dad would be like and has that idea been challenged? Um, are you experiencing something different if you can share that with us. I think for me anyway, it was, it's been quite a lot different to what I thought it was. I was one thing I was worried about before we had the, um, had the baby or even before we got pregnant was like, I, I was really worried about bonding or that I wouldn't learn to love the baby enough. Um, cause I think for like, maybe for women, especially it's kind of a little bit easier for them to bond. Cause you know, you know, if, if, if the, the girl's breastfeeding or, you know, cause it's been inside them for so long, they're kind of already bonded with it to, to some extent before the baby is born. 
Um, so that was kind of one worry I really had. I'm not sure if it's the same with you, Phil, but it's like, you know, you kind of wonder if you're going to love the baby as much as your partner loves the baby when it comes out. But now that now that he's here, it's, I know that's completely like like an insane thought that I had because um, I just love him to bits. And but it's a completely new type of love that I've that I've found that I'm capable of. It's really amazing. Did Did you find the same thing, Phil? Um, I I I probably learned the importance, or more more so, the techniques of bonding um, with bubs. Uh, later, my my initial concern and whole notion behind fatherhood was, I guess, wanting to be a better father because of complications with um, my father when I was younger, and also hearing uh, anecdotes from parents about no sleep, <laughs> and that's one of my weaknesses, you know. So I wanted to really prepare myself. Uh, mentally and physically, and I changed my diet. I, I exercised probably three to four times a week just to reach a particular type of discipline that would almost equivalent that of getting up on response. Just bringing it back to the topic of bonding, I didn't have I didn't have any preconceived concerns about it. I just anticipated it, and I'm influenced by my partner as well and just continue to stay positive and use you know natural kind of talents that I have to engage um, my son like um, beatboxing Um, I'm trying to like do some um, comedic acting in front of him he seems to really get a kick out of that like that superhero video you like where I'm jumping off my porch (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what makes um, Elio laugh Mitch I mean, he's 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 quite a lot younger than um, than your little one. So, if I kind of jumped up jumped off a porch, I'm not sure how he'd take it. But I could always give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. Um, but he, yeah, it's like he loves kind of hanging out with me. And um, and as he as he kind of gets older and gets a bit more aware of of what's happening around him, um, it's really nice to see that he kind of recognised the difference difference between me and his mum. And like one thing I didn't expect when when he came and, and when he was in our lives is the kind of, I don't know if you feel this, Phil, but like the rejection sometimes of kind of, you know, as, as men, we can't really, because uh, Katie's breastfeeding, I couldn't, I couldn't feed him and I couldn't satisfy that need of his. So I almost felt like, you know, he was rejecting me personally. Obviously that's not, that wasn't really the case. And he just, need, he was just hungry and he just needed, he needed food. But that was kind of one thing that I that I've struggled with over time, and, I, and it's and it's definitely way better now now that I can actually, you know, fulfill more of his needs as time goes on. That's awesome, you know, the fact that you were aware of all these things um, beforehand, and you were preparing yourself um, for the task at hand. So that's really cool. I remember um, I met Phil, I think two weeks before um, Tanil was due, and. Uh, um, at that time, I remember you telling me about the changes you made within your diet and how you were training and exercising to ensure that you're healthy and fit. Um, and that was, I admire that quite a bit, you know. Um, not often I hear um, dads making such significant change in their lifestyle to accommodate a new um, baby. So that's really cool. Mm. Right, so now... Um, I was reading a stat, um, and I love stats, so 
um, one of the stats that I read was saying that about 67% of young couples um, tend to feel very unhappy in their relationship post a baby being born and of which about 13% of marriages end um, post the birth of their child. So why do you think that is? Um, is there tremendous pressure that falls in the relationship that sort of causes this? And if so, um, I'm curious to hear what you guys um, are doing actively to um, maintain the sanity of your relationship. Yeah, I think like a lot of that's probably caused by just lack of sleep, to be honest. <laughs> like that can kind of take, bring you really close to the breaking point. For us, it hasn't really been that much of an issue because we've got a really strong relationship already. And I think possibly that lack of sleep can kind of bring up stuff that's been unresolved in the past for some people. Uh, but it's just a stressful time. Hey, like everything, everything you do is kind of at that heightened level of, of stress. For us anyway, Elio has kind of brought us way closer together as a couple. It's because you know, Elio is, is half me and half and half of her. So it's really not a question of what have you done to, to stop you guys from from arguing and, and being a bit further apart. It's kind of this whole experience has brought us way closer together because I've seen like, you know, the strength that Katie has throughout the whole labor and I, I was just in awe of her the whole time. It's like I don't like I don't know how anyone can put up with that kind of pain, you know. And it's just made me appreciate her in my life all the much more. 100%. Um, I think the amount of respect would significantly grow for your partner, um, which is monumental to maintain a relationship. So that's very special. It's unbelievable. Now, Phil, what's your take on this? Um, Do you feel like post-baby there's tremendous pressure within the relationship? and what are your thoughts on that you know what one day there was an appointment i had late night at um the royal women's hospital and luckily i think it was beyond blue that had created um a dad's handbook and um some of the tips that were in there was in the case of late night sleeps needing to work with your partner and also deal with you know having to react after you could be in deep sleep. So um, being aware of that is, is important, um, but it is, also, it is also hard. Luckily, my, my partner and I, I think, because we are in a long-term relationship, we had gained an understanding of each other. Also, I think she taught me a lot um, about the roles and, you know, of gender, I think. Um, and, and also just being consciously aware of the society that we're in, you know, like based upon men's roles and women's roles. And so I was quite aware of that. And I guess one thing that kind of hit me was I might have woke up a few times one night and then gone to work and then I come home and, you know, I've informed my partner that I'm tired and she's informed me that she's tired. But the causes of that tired are two different things. Because if you've ever spent a whole day with a baby, it's intense and mothers do it all the time. And I would guess that, you know, fathers are out at work. I just personally gained a whole nother perspective when being with a baby 
you know, throughout the day. Uh, it's different from, you know, coming home in the evening and, and having a bit of play. Um, when you need to monitor feeds, sleeps, play, signs of tightness, there's, there's a lot there. I think, I think understanding that you have a responsibility and to ensure that you try your best to uphold that uh, means that and, – and just being honest. I think one of the tips in the handbook was just being honest but, and not lashing out and just being honest with yourself. You know, if you're tired, let your partner know that. And, and that's where I think the problem lies in just being honest and, and being okay with how you're feeling instead of that kind of concealment through anger lashing out is probably the most easiest reactive way but just sitting with it and saying you know I'm a bit tired baby can you can you do so and so and I think it's I think communication is such a big thing hey like if if the communication breaks down it's like it's game over almost and I find that exactly like your example before with you going to work feeling coming home and and it being a completely different different perspective like I, I was working for the first kind of three months of of Elio's life and then and now it's kind of the roles have changed so I'm a stay-at-home dad now and Katie's off to work and I completely understand now that how tired she was and because I used to come home and and you know I used to have a shower and and you know play with Elio for the next two hours and then would go to bed you know that's you don't, you don't see all of the work that your wife puts in through the whole day you know and and now that I'm I'm that person I'm like how did you do it like you gave birth to this this baby and then straight away there's no rest there's no you know, you, you take two weeks off work or whatever, but there's no rest between her giving birth and then every day just constant looking after the baby, you know. So it's given me a much greater appreciation of, of what she's done in that time. I honestly feel grateful that I get to experience it as well because I don't think mm-hmm. many men um, really do. True. All right. Well, Mitch, let me ask you this question. Do you feel like the society has a preconceived image of what a father should be like? What has been your experience with that? Do you feel like the ideas that the society has around the role of a father and what the father has to do, do you think that needs to be challenged? I think they're definitely in the past, possibly more than the, than the present. There, there is this idea of the dad kind of, you know, goes to work and gets the paycheck and then comes home and plays with the kid and then goes to bed, you know. I think more and more these days that's changing. Just, and and in in the same breath, like the gender roles are changing as well. Like like you were saying before, Phil, um, more men are realizing that they need to play a more active role in the child for development. It's really important as well. Like um, especially for for young boys, they need to see a dad that's kind of around a bit bit more often. Um, but that's definitely changing. Um, I think in recent years. So it's it's not so much that I see I I see that there needs to be a change um, as there, it's it's changing on its own. You know. Um, I think more dads want to want to kind of be be involved in their child a bit more, you know. Like I I feel I feel sad that I didn't kind of get to see that first three months of of Elio's life, and you know so there there were some days where I'd get home and I'd I'd see a completely different different baby, you know, because they develop so quickly, and I feel like I've kind of missed out on a lot of that. And the situation that we've got now, like Katie can work um, a lot from home, so it's we kind of we both we both get to kind of look after him and see him develop and. And give him all the love that he deserves from from both of us, you know. He, like a baby needs their mum and their dad, so or or both parents, you know, whatever the situation might be. That's awesome. 
All right, so my next question is to you, Phil. It's uh, around experience. So your partner, Tanil, has a um, teenage daughter um, who you help raise and you guys share a beautiful bond together. So do you think um, being a step-parent has sort of given you an advantage to um, with raising Marikai? Um I think um, being able to play a stepfather figure in in Nakia's life um, has helped me understand my role in a relationship dynamic that is um, beyond just de de facto. It actually there's you know there's Nakia as well. Correlating that with the birth of Marikai, maybe there's a subconscious link there. Um, but not really a direct one just because, well, I should retract that. It's helped me to a degree, but Nikki is also at a different stage in her life. So when, Mar when Marikai came into the world, Nikia was already 14. If she had been maybe six or seven, I, I, I may have seen a similarity just because of developmental stages perhaps being a little bit more similar than comparing yeah teenager yeah i think there are kind of different sets of behaviors and relationships between nikia and i than uh, marikai and i at this uh at this stage but um nonetheless they all revolve around being a positive uh, responsible person another question that I had for the both of you is around race and culture obviously you both have mixed race babies so I was curious to understand how does your culture your background play a role in the way you raise your child? Do you think that plays a big role in shaping your child? Great question, right? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll jump at the gate. Um, <clears throat> I'm a first-generation um, Australian-Filipino, um, although um, the depth in which um, I've been culturally brought up yeah, I don't think is something that I um, apply. Um, I think I'm, I'm more kind of open, um, open to things that kind of ethically make sense to me. Um, but I do sense a strong cultural uh, influence from older members of my family that um, – have uh, <laughs> been more vocal uh, during this time um, to say, um, yeah, to 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 bring that forth, um, and so um, I've been able to actually um, distinguish um, that um, and how um, that can either be, you know. A positive thing or a conflict? How do you think it would be a conflict, Phil? What, can you explain that a little bit more? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, specifically, it's the idea of cultural attitude versus mm-hmm. parenting okay. by the parents. Um, and so how do you juggle being obliging to members of not just your family but your, your partner's family and also be able to um, set boundaries where you can be parents and be mm. respected for the decisions that you make? Um, it, it doesn't affect us every day, but there was definitely um, a concern there. Um, but um, ultimately, I can understand how generations of cultural um, traditions have been brought down. But now that we're in Australia, um, and I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but we've been able to see um, a, a specialist in counseling, um, specifically cu- couples counseling, that is able to break it down. You know, you have um, Southeastern Asian culture. Uh, and I tell you what, it's, it's definitely, you see the contrast there, um, you know, versus uh, Western contemporary ways. Um, but ultimately, it's the idea of respecting the parents themselves, but mm. also being there to support. And I, I think um, as long as those foundations are laid, that means that relationships can um, yeah. You know, can remain and be stronger, for a stronger family, stronger family, yeah. So for our listeners, uh, just so you're aware, um, Marikai is part Filipino from Phil's background. Um, and from Tanil's side, I think there is a South African background there. I might get this wrong, Phil. You'll have to help me out. Yeah, South African. And then, you know, like to, to be a little bit detailed, um, there's a ethnicity within South Africa known as... Um, uh, coloreds, um, which um, are people with mixed race uh, within themselves, so it's further mixed mixed race in Marikai, I guess, in in terms of um, genetics, um, and those can include um, Barbados, uh, um, Welsh, I think. Um, yeah, I don't want to mention anymore, just in case I'm I'm, I'm incorrect. But uh, Tanil's also half Indian. Wow. There's so many different cultural influences. Tell there. me about it. That's really special. And that's so cool to yeah. see that as well. Um, all right. Now, Mitch, what I wanted to ask you was about um, your experience with culture and how that's sort of influencing your parenting style. Um, Elio is Australian, obviously, from your background, but is part Chinese as well? Yeah, de- definitely. Like, um, Katie has um, Malaysian, um, Chinese Malaysian heritage. So she's a, her dad is um, is Chinese Malaysian, um, and I think for for us it's for, for for us it's really important that he kind of knows his heritage and knows um, knows that culture. Um, so we try and um, Katie's parents have a, a Chinese New Year gathering every year, and we're going to try and take him that and kind of really immersive in, immerse him in that culture and his um, and, and, and that that side of the family. Um, it's he's so he'll only be um, a quarter um, a quarter Chinese Malaysian. So um, I think it, for him, it'll be really important to kind of stay connected to it throughout his whole life. Um, 
because you know in day-to-day life you know we, we, as Phil said we live in Australia so it's kind of that kind of um, culture take, kind of tends to take over a little bit but um, yeah for us it's really important for him to know where he comes from and and my side of the family um, I was born in New Zealand so it's and I've got kind of a quite a strong connection to um, to that country and, and that culture as well so it's really important for me to, for him to be also connected to that culture um, so it's, I guess it's kind of trying trying to strike a balance. I'm sure it's the same for you, Phil, striking a balance between your culture and 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 Tanil's culture, um, and kind yeah. of trying to mix the two together in in a um, in a way that doesn't that doesn't create conflicts, um, as you're saying before. Mm. Um, mm. I haven't we haven't really found um, that the that Katie's Chinese culture or or my culture has really um, impacted too much on our um, on our parenting as individuals um, so far. Um, so that's, that's, that's been good. But I can understand why that would be hard. Um, so, Phil, would you be able to give us an example of how kind of a conflict of, of cultures would, would affect you guys and kind of what that on how you would navigate it as, as parents? Yeah. Um, I guess um, it is essentially what is – uh, how much can grandparents um, um, pl- like play a role in the development of of the child versus um, the parents themselves being able to make the decision at the end of the day without um, conflict? Where you you know there's there's the the boundaries are, are blurred. I hadn't expected it. Um, I mean, it's, I, I guess, to just be, be specific, you know, things like homeopathy versus Western medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see how that can kind of, you know, if like Filipino culture specifically, we, we there's, there's not really any talk of natural remedy, I think, most of the medicine yeah. is uh, westernized um, and, you know, obviously coming here, you know, um, pharmaceutical brands are the more kind of popular um, and ways to heal um, are, are driven in that sense by kind of quick prescription, take this tablet and you'll be better. But um, it's, it's a whole nother a- area um, that I hadn't really thought about. Um, but um, one thing that I think is important is to remember that this is really about the baby. This is really about yeah. what is in Merakai's best interest. And then, therefore, it sprouts into a stronger family foundation for him and between others. Um, and if we can understand where these influences come from, um, then hopefully we can reach a, co- a common ground. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really important for a child to be exposed to a culture from a very young age, you know, um, experience different things from different members of the family and see how it all works together. Um, but I think the most important thing is what is the best thing for the child, you know. That's what it comes down to. Mm. So another question I had um, 
this this is also for the both of you is around um what was one thing that you were told before you had your baby that a statement or a fact or a um or something you heard from the media or your friends or your family members that after having your child um you realize that's not entirely true that's a good question i think for me um i guess it wasn't a lie but it was kind of um people telling you how it's going to be um is that um like that you're going to struggle and it's and there's not going to be any um well this is kind of my interpretation of what people were saying were telling me you know people are, that you're going to struggle and it's going to be hard and 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 stuff and i kind of couldn't see um well they weren't communicating the benefits that come behind that struggle if you know what i mean um you know of course it's going to be hard and of course it's going to be like you know changing changing a, a poo covered nappy isn't that isn't that pleasant but you know when you when you see that that smiling face looking up at you it's like everything all that stuff goes away you know and you don't have to even worry about it so for anyone that's kind of looking to have a baby and is worried about all that kind of stuff it's just completely irrelevant because you know because there's that the love that you have for that child just kind of makes it all so worth it you know yeah absolutely and i was just going to say that as well that that whole diaper thing right um there's a lot of you know inhibitions and um and stigma and that sort of stuff um among men especially you know i've i've had experiences where when i talk about you know having babies with with uh workmates or people that i know um they always say oh get ready to um change those dirty diapers and all that sort of stuff and build this sort of scare around this um this small little thing you know um it's fine and and like you said you know the love to, for your child sort of takes over and um you don't have those inhibitions anymore um but yeah look the truth is like we all wipe our own butt at least once a day you know so what's why is it so hard to wipe someone else's butt that's it you know yeah absolutely 100% i'm i'm in agreement to that <laughs> <laughs> um my, I reckon I reckon um I would say that a lot of people I came across had said um oh yeah get ready for no sleep um but um I think that's realistic but and and I think the um blatant you know straight down the line no sleep can um set a tone but I also look at things from more angles like sometimes when you come across people you don't see every day um this is the kind of general language you come across just kind of um you know for example oh you know how's your day been and uh just been you know it's just been a, been a long day you know just kind of general mm. um back and superficial forth superficial superficial stuff um but then i can, you know but then luckily um and this kind of this counters the misconceptions you hear people that actually say it's not all bad i mean everyone mm. has a unique experience So that kind of reassured me um and that allowed me to understand that as much as I can be ready there's also the contingency of things that are unique to Marakai unique to his development unique to our parenting that um I'm yet to unravel and mm. 
I, I, but I can hold on to the idea that it will be unique and it will be um, something not to worry about, like the no sleep, which I will. I definitely got ready for. I was, I, I, I was aware of my weakness when I don't have optimal sleep. So that's just my own personal thing. Um, and you get used to it too, though. Like absolutely. You know, you, I found as well. Like you know, for the first um, first little while. I really struggled with it, but then all of a sudden, I could I could get I could stay up, you know, for hours at night, and I'd wake up in the morning, I'd be fine, you know. As us humans, we're we're so adaptive, and we so good at kind of, um, you know, learning new skills, and our body just changes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much uh, false scare and um, and misinformation that's uh, fed to us through you know media, through friends, and. Um, through movies and that sort of stuff, there's so much nightmare stories around babies, um, for and related to a dad. You know, it's it's the same thing that goes for like marriages and stuff. You know, when you when you talk about oh I'm getting married, um, that whole thing about oh get ready you're gonna be tied down and it doesn't have to be that bad. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's an amazing thing. It's it's an absolute special feeling to have, and what you hear is not always true i guess and this this sort of proves it so thanks for sharing that's really cool and what i'm sort of getting from it is you know your experience is quite unique to your own child and your own yeah. baby so um yeah. yeah and one one thing i wanted to hear when i was when we were expecting and we were telling people we were pregnant was i didn't want to hear like you know it's going to be really hard and i didn't even want to hear that you're going to be a great father because you know, cause that kind of brought up all kinds of like you know, because I think we all think about like, oh, am I going to be a good father and I want to try and be the best that I can? Um, but what I kind of really would have liked to hear was, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here for you if, if you need me, you know. Like if you need help, um, I'm here. You know, not don't maybe don't tell people that they're going to be superheroes right off the bat because that puts a lot of pressure on <laughs> to be that person, you know. Yeah, pressure. Absolutely. Absolutely, and and um, two things I want to say. One is just on the other end of the previous conversation, Ro, you were saying about, um, like Amy had said, you know you're going to have to change nappies. Um, I had a I had a cool interaction with um, a, a staff member, and Marika was already, I think, um, you know, I think six months old at that stage, and you gain a lot of experience uh, changing nappies and. And at that stage, it's all about how fast you can change a nappy. So it's not about how disgusting it is. It's, it's it about how a game, fast you can it? do it. <laughs> hit, hit the stopwatch. Go. <laughs> you have to. You have to. <laughs> okay, begin. Wait, what's your best time? Oh, look, I haven't timed myself yet, but I'm pretty. I'm getting pretty good at it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I haven't timed. I haven't. I haven't timed mine either, but I would say if I had to guess, it'd probably be um, 11 seconds. Oh, man, you got me beat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you know you have to wipe the butt, right? <laughs> oh, damn, I forgot that. <laughs> I think um, I, I get one, one comment I get all the time um, when I'm kind of with Elio out and about i i always get from people oh are you, are you babysitting you know are you babysitting your son today and like no it's i'm looking after my son you know there's there seems to be this weird societal 
um, misconception where they think that the dad's just kind of having fun with the kid and just like, you know, hang out with him sometimes. But it's not really the case anymore. And I think I, I just want kind of dads to really own it, you know, um, own being a dad and, and get really involved and kind of get stuck into it, you know, and don't be afraid to wear the dorky looking wrap with your baby in it, you know, and go do the grocery shopping and, you know, change the nappies in the change in the change rooms. And I think the more people, the more the people do it, the, the better. I was actually, I saw an article today that um, apparently in, in New York, there's a new law that, that says every male toilet must have a change table in it in New York, which I think is so, it's awesome. Like, Absolutely, 100%. And I think um, I'll finish by saying that, you know, there needs to be more credit given to dads as well. Um, a lot of the times the society sort of differentiates the roles between mums and dads and that shouldn't be the case because they're both equally pulling their weight and contributing to raising this um, baby and and they're all they're trying their hardest, you know. So um, a little compliment saying, you know, you're doing a good job um, goes a long way for um, both mums and dads you know as dads there's a lot of focus on you know building respect and um, making sure you're doing the best job you can as a father as a dad um, and and it's great to get that pat on the back you know not just from your partner not just from family members but from friends from workmates and stuff so um, yeah I think that's that's awesome and thanks for coming on guys and sharing your experiences you know um, I don't have a baby but um, my inhibitions and my insecurities, some of the insecurities have been put to rest um, through through listening to you guys. So I'm very excited to have my own baby, so I can't wait. Um, do you guys have anything to end or finish with? A few things. Um, learn effective communication with your partner so that the workload isn't overbearing for... Um, or the rate in which someone carries more of the weight is disproportionate from the other. Um, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm able to self-care, and I think self-care is important. I have to admit, like, you know, there are times where I feel I need to um, be by myself or be with friends, just find some time that I can be um, myself and have a break. Um, and, uh, I'm able to do that with communication and planning, you know, just kind of setting something up later on, maybe on the weekend, but, you know, just making sure that your partner is aware of that. Um, and man, I, I don't know how to start with speaking on like that similar example that Mitch had brought up about people who come across the street and say, are you babysitting or, um, uh, are you are you on daddy duties? Um, but I, I think it's it's an interesting time that we're in. Where going back to gender roles, um, I feel like there are dads out there that want to uphold um, the father um, figure and and maybe even change the stereotype as well um, and completely embrace um, the, the the fatherhood style and set more of an example. And, and also, um, man, let's not um, underestimate the power of um, our partners. You know, my, my partner's um, Tanil, she's a, she's a woman and she's, she's strong and she's, she's taught me a lot. So I think uh, deep respect and um, always check in with your partner, I think, because, you know, 
I can't imagine being a single parent. After, after just 10 months, I can't imagine what a single parent life would be. And um, I think it's even more powerful if you're able to raise your child with, with you and your loved ones. So um, always check in. Awesome, awesome. Well said, guys. Um, any final thoughts? I know we did this, but um, any last words before we close up? <laughs> I just wrote, um, I'm glad that you have a few things that have been debunked, whatever those were, the attitudes, preconceptions you had. But I'm also glad that you and... Um, those who have helped support you in this project, perhaps Mitch, um, in the Being Men initiative is important. Like there's um, I found out about a dad's group in Newport um, and, and that, that, that looks cool. Um, but just, just to be frank, um, the fact that, you know, we're all different people from different backgrounds, specifically race, is actually something that makes me feel a little bit more confident in being a part of like sharing because I feel like there's but not just that the fact that we know each other you know so essentially developing a community that that is a support group um you know and um yeah I I hope uh this forum keeps going so thank you for inviting me for this conversation Awesome. Just one thing before I before I head off, I just want to let everyone know that, um, you know, when you become a dad, it's your life's just beginning. So, um, for all those people that kind of think that your life is is kind of over at that point, it's just not true. You know, it's you feel a whole new level of love and and life in within your body and your family and and um and yeah, that's just my ending thought. So, thank you. Thank you.